Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Tu. I'm the missions minister here at First McKinney. This is your first time joining us. If you're new to the Bible at all, uh, that's what we're going to be in today. It's the book that we always go to. It's God's Word. And if it's, again, if it's new to you, there's one in your pew rack right there in front of you. You can grab it. You can take it home. It's all yours. We want to gift that to you. And again, if you're new to this thing, it's about three-fourths of the way through. That's where we're going to be today in the book of John. You can use the table of contents to get there. And as you find your place to the book of John, I want to remind us that, yes, we've been in a neighboring series, as Ben reminded us. Go love your neighbor. These are words that we hear echoed often with our head pastor at the end of our services. But this act of going to love our neighbor is really easier said than done for so many of us. There's hurdles, connecting with a neighbor, bridging that gap. And sometimes, unfortunately, we, we are the hurdle. We make it difficult. And sometimes that's done unbeknownst. Sometimes we do it by trying to have all of our stuff together acting like we all have it together. We have it all together, but we all know that we don't. And this little setting here is really just to remind us of the series that we're in. It's our neighboring series, this front porch series, this idea to really be connecting with our neighbors. <laughs> if your house is anything like mine, it doesn't look like this. Now the secret is these plants are fake, so that's one way to make your front porch look good. Uh, another thing that I just look at and I think on this porch is, like these seat cushions. We have tried this, where you put the seat cushion out with the outdoor furniture, what happens? The squirrels, the squirrels show up, it gets holes in it, maybe a dog chewed on it. If it in our case, we have a six and three-year-old and they will grab anything that they can find to build like a fort in the backyard and everything's just disheveled. We never have it all together. But I think for some reason, we are always trying time and time and again to have it all together, to put on a good show, to show the world that yeah, we got it, especially in the Christian world. I think that's a big issue. But last week, Warren Samuels preached, so thankful for his ministry. He reminded us that we have to get real. And I want to just take that a uh, little step forward, a little bit further, really to what is the heart of the issue? I would argue this morning, the heart of the issue is the heart. The heart of the issue is the heart itself. So hopefully you found your way to John. We'll be in chapter three today. That's the big numbers. But in chapters one and two, as John introduces us to Jesus's ministry, Jesus shows up on the scene, he's baptized and starts to call in his disciples for ministry. Then in chapter two, we see some miracles. And there gets a little momentum, a little notoriety. Jesus gets a little popular. And he makes waves against some good people and some not so good people. And so we find ourselves in this very intriguing, interesting conversation with a man named Nicodemus. So starting in verse, uh, chapter three, starting in verse one, this is what it reads. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, for a lot of us in church, we have heard of these Pharisees. If you're unfamiliar with them, the Pharisees are like the, the, the top of the top of the Jews that day. They are the elite. They know the Hebrew Bible. They are religious as it gets. They put on a really good show. And everybody knows it. And they know it. 
And Jesus has very interesting words and interactions with them throughout all four gospels. These Pharisees had power. They kind of ruled it over people. They were always adding to the law. There was God's law. They knew their Hebrew Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. But these are some of the titles that Jesus gives them throughout the four gospels. He calls them blind guides, fools, snakes, hypocrites. This sounds like some of the language that's used towards us these days. Those of us who are supposed to have it all together, those of us who are religious. Here's the problem. Those Pharisees, they couldn't get out of their own way. And then in comes old Nick as a spokesman for all the Pharisees. And Jesus has a little something for him too. And so in verse two, it says, this man, this Nicodemus, he came to Jesus by night. Because again, Jesus was starting to make waves and the Pharisees weren't too keen on it. And Nicodemus doesn't need to be seen coming to this man. So he does it in secret. He does it at night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we, the Pharisees, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, in chapter 2, verse 23, it tells us that people were seeing the signs of Jesus. That, again, the notoriety, the momentum, the waves being made. And Nicodemus, he sees it, he gets it at some level. There's something unique about this man. And he wants to ask him. He doesn't really pose it in a question, but it's basically a question of going, hey, I see that you seem to be tight with God somehow. Are you him? Is basically what he's asking. Are you the Messiah? Who are you? And Jesus could have answered so many things. He could have peeled behind the curtain Explain truths that would just blow Nicodemus' mind. You know what he does? He goes straight to the issue. He goes to the heart of the issue. The heart. Straight to the heart. Verse 3. Jesus answered him, truly, truly. This is just a, a good way to emphasize it. Truly, truly. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now for most of us in church, we've heard this language. But if this was the first time to hear this, it would seem weird. It would seem odd. And guess what? It was odd to Nicodemus. Notice this question, verse four. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, again, what he has been presented, this is a very logical question. A plus B equals C, or in this case, A minus B equals C. He's, he's trying to compute that. It's a very elementary question. And for those of you with elementary school students, parents, I will let you field how this works over lunch if they have any questions. But again, Nicodemus is obviously confused. I mean, what does it mean to be born again? And so we see Jesus double down. Verse five, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Interesting phrase. Maybe obvious if you really think about it. But I'll say this. Flesh begets flesh. 
Sin begets sin. Old word to say, you're not going to create something new from the old. What you are is what you will produce. So if someone is in their current state without Christ, they will produce just one thing. And that is something of the flesh. Because they are not born again, they cannot on their own accord. Because you see when it's flesh, sin abounds. Sin is over everything. And guess what? We know it when we see it. We see the sin and we don't have to teach it. Again, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. All you parents, you know, future parents, hear this. That sin nature will rear its ugly head sooner than you realize. And it's just natural. It's just the way we're born. About year two, the disobedience sets in, the obstinance, this natural part of who we are that says, I don't need your authority. I don't need your advice. I'm gonna do it on my own. This is the story of humanity in a nutshell. God, we don't need you. We will do it on our own. But man, when there is the Holy Spirit presence, when someone acts, when someone speaks, because that which, of, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, sometimes you, you can just taste it. You can see it. There's like the Second Corinthians 2 aroma of Christ about it. You walk into a room, you can feel it. You're in a conversation, you can sense it. But where does that go? How, how, how have we lost that so often in our Christian lives? 1 Corinthians 8.1 tells us that knowledge puffs up. There's something beautiful about being born again, about a new Christian, right? We feed them, we feed them, we get them from the, from the milk to the meat, we give them something really good, something deep take some classes, go to Sunday school, become leaders. But sometimes over time, we lose that newness. Revelation 2.4 says it like this, you have forgotten your first love, that which is Christ. Are there some of you in the room who have lost that tangible, palpable, Holy Spirit freshness about you and your relationship with Christ? Are you jaded? Are you bored? Are things starting to turn into stone? I think we feel this sometimes in our Christian life. This wasn't the first time God had promised this. Ezekiel 36, verses 23 through 27. This is what God says to Israel, says, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. This is why Jesus said in his Lord's prayer, hallowed be your name. He wants to get it out of this profanity, as, out of this defaming and put it back where it belongs. To be over the entire earth, that all would worship him and his name. And so God is telling Israel here, I will vindicate this. Among, and he says, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And then verse 25, here on the screen, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all uncleanliness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart 
and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. What a sweet promise. Hundreds and thousands of years before this, God is promising, I'm gonna do something in you that you can't do yourself. And where does it come from? It comes from God. It doesn't come from anything earthly. So as we flip back, so what does Jesus mean in John 3, verse five, when he says one must be born of water and spirit? He's not talking of natural birth and spiritual birth. He's not talking about salvation and baptism. No, he's talking about one great miracle that happens every time someone comes to faith in Christ, that they are saved, they are regenerated, they are made new by the spirit, the cleansing of their sin. Because as we just read, he will sprinkle clean water on them. He will give them a new heart. He will put a new spirit in them and it will be his spirit. Praise God. And Jesus goes on from there in the same line of thinking. Verse seven, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, Jesus came on behalf of we. Nicodemus came to Jesus on behalf of we. Jesus starts to address Nicodemus one-on-one, you, you, you. And here he switches to the plural, y'all. Not just you, Nick, all your buddies. Everybody has to be born again. And not just the Pharisees, everybody. Everybody must be born again. And this would have been a really hard pill to swallow. Because again, these guys knew their stuff. They were good at putting on the show. They knew their Hebrew Bible. But maybe not good enough. Because he's telling them, hey, you need to be born again. This word again in the Greek can also say like from above. You need to be born from above. You need to get something that's otherworldly. You, you just, you can't do this on your own. The only way that you will see the kingdom of God is by God himself reaching down and saving you with his spirit, sealing you, giving you his deposit, his work. And he tells you how it happens because he's got even a little bit more for Nicodemus. Hear this, verse eight. The wind blows where it wishes. Now the wind here. It's kind of echoing an old Hebrew word, ruach, which really could be wind or spirit. So again, Jesus just being a master of words, just toying with Nicodemus. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Think about that for a second. Think about when the gospel found you. Where were you? maybe in church, maybe at home. I've heard some wild stories about how people met Jesus. And if we were to start to take a poll of this room, it would just be testimony after testimony how the wind just blew. The spirit just showed up in the most unexpected time. May 1st, 2022. Anybody know what day that was? Probably not. It was a pretty ordinary Sunday for most of us. But it was also Baptism Sunday, about a year ago. 
And right here, we put out a baptism trough. Because when you're doing 21 baptisms, it's, it's just a lot in the pool. So we're cycling people through in multiple services. Seeing testimony after testimony and people being dunked. And people saying, I, I gave my life to Jesus. And again, that spirit moving just how it wants will right in this section. Sit my brother-in-law. His name is Brian. I didn't even know he was coming to church that day. He's sitting right there, just watching dunk after dunk after dunk. People being visibly buried with their sin, raised with Christ in new life. And guess who showed up? The Holy Spirit. Boom! Just grabbed him. And guess what? It has never let go. Because the Spirit moves like the wind. And just comes when it wants to, when it's ready, when God has selected somebody. We got to connect over the next few weeks, read this very book. And in chapter three, as Brian sat there and read the words born again, he said, that's it, that's me. And just a few weeks later, he got to get up in that baptistry, big old letters on his chest, born again. Get to testify of what God had done in his life. The spirit moves as he wishes. Our question is, is he moving now? Is this the first time you have heard this? Is he calling on you? Is he stirring in you? Or believers in the room? Are you bitter? Jaded? Is that Pharisee-like heart starting to form again? Do you need a refreshment by the Holy Spirit? Does he need to awaken you and make you alive once more? I challenge you, just give in. Because in verse nine, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? He's quoting Ezekiel 36. He's thinking, surely this guy, he knows his stuff. He knows his Bible. And you don't know what I'm talking about? Like Jesus isn't bringing necessarily this brand new word. Jesus is always quoting the Bible, the Old Testament. It all points to him and what God was doing. So verse 11, leans in a bit. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. Now, again, they're speaking one-on-one -on -one, and all of a sudden Jesus goes into the plural. Now, if you've read the four gospels, you know, he ain't talking about the disciples. Those guys were missing it left and right. But this seems like a private conversation. So who's he talking about? Nicodemus is standing in front of God in the flesh. The son of the living God, Jesus Christ part of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So let me read that again. I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you, in the plural, talking to all the Pharisees in Israel, you do not receive our testimony. Verse 12, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. 
The Pharisees knew their stuff. But you know what the issue was? You know what the heart of the issue was? What was it? Tell me. The issue, the heart of the issue is, it's the heart. Jesus coming right at Nicodemus. Go, man, you know this stuff. You've, you've piled in all this information, but you've kept it up here. You're not letting it seep into your heart. You're not letting God's vision for the world, for the lost and dying to change him. Anselm of Canterbury, a theologian from the 11th century in the Middle Ages says it like this. I do not seek to understand in order that I may believe, but rather I believe in order that I may understand. Let me read that again. I do not seek to understand in order that I may believe, but rather I believe in order that I may understand. For the non-believers, sometimes we're trying to package and put together this framework of how reality works, of who God is, or, or how Christianity could work or not work. I've talked to numerous people who they want to understand it all before they believe. But guess what? It's not just an acceptance of fact. It's a relationship that's birthed by the Holy Spirit when someone is born again. Because the minute that they believe, guess what? Jesus has so much in store for them. Do you understand the glorious truths, all the things that exist in heaven that Jesus has for you? The treasures at the right hand of God the pleasures at the right hand of God, Jesus himself, they await for all who believe in him. So often we get distracted by the temporal, by our front porch, the nice things we have. He's telling Nicodemus, he's telling all of us, just wait and see what kind of treasures I have for you. Give your life to me. Just wait and see. I will heap them on you. I will lavish on you more than you could ever know. Psalm 84.10 says, better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. This moment that Nicodemus is standing in front of Jesus, the moment when you met Jesus, just eclipses everything else. And to live into eternity, as Justin was talking about, the endless praise that we give him, that's what we need. Those are the treasures. There's so much in store for us in eternity. But no one will see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one. We must surrender to the God-man, Jesus Christ. And guess what? He said the earthly, while here on earth. This is our chance. He has brought heaven to earth. He offers it to all who repent. He stands with open arms, non-judgmental. Say, give your life to me. You're doing it on your own? Let me ask you, how's that going for you? How's that going for you? The Holy Spirit moves as he wishes. May he be moving now. And this is how Jesus closes the conversation. As Moses lifted up the servant, this is verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now what he's referencing here is from Numbers 21. Again, he's talking to a man who knows the story, Nicodemus. 
In Numbers 21, the Israelites are in the wilderness and God has delivered them once more with a victory. And you know how they respond? With grumbling. Now, I am really thankful that because of the Holy Spirit, the people of God do not grumble anymore, right? We do not complain to God. We don't complain to our leadership. The church has perfected this. The Holy Spirit has perfected this. We don't have to worry about this. Oh, how we all wish. <laughs> they look to God. They look to Moses and say, what are we doing? We're still stuck in the wilderness. Despite all the miracles God has done that we visibly saw that so many of us in this room go, man, I wish I could have seen that. They saw it. They still grumbled. They said, where's our food? Where's our water? Take us back to Egypt. We're done. So God sends snakes. God is man. God provided. They grumble. They don't care. They rebel. And so God punishes. So he brings snakes, venomous snakes who bite, who hurt. People die. This is an extreme situation with thousands and thousands and thousands in their encampment. And so Numbers 21, verse 7 reads this. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. This is just one of those crazy Old Testament stories, right? People are getting bit, they're dying, but they say, if I get bit, I look at this. I look at this serpent on a pole and God saves me. Let's go back and read John 14, John 3, verses 14, 15 again. It says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Does this sound familiar now? We don't know exactly what that pole looked like with Moses. But I can tell you it had to be big enough that again, thousands and thousands in their camp would have to be able to see it. And they would know that God's promise is good. That the sting of the serpent, they'd be saved from it. And now, this is our savior. Lifted up on a pole, cursed, dying for us, wrapped around this thing. Because all who look upon him and call on his name will be saved. They will be given new life. And when we think about this, we actually see this in society. This next picture shows us. We see this on the ambulance. We see this at the hospitals. This symbol of healing. The symbol of life. Let me say this. The church is not a country club for the saints. The church is not a country club for us saints. It is a hospital for the sinners. It's a hospital for the sick and dying. It's where people find respite, where they find life, they find healing of the number one thing that's plaguing them, their own sin. And that's been true of all of us. And that's why we get to sing with joy that God has saved us from this. We get to walk with people in regeneration. We get to walk with people in rehab. Sometimes we dig into groups and we get some just surgical removal of sin and things that are just strongholds in our life. We get to walk with people for months as they recover 
as the Holy Spirit and the word of God falls upon them and heals so many wounds that we can't see. Emotional hardships, travesties in their life, and they get to call upon the goodness of God for healing. Mm. Again, the heart of the issue is the heart. So what? So what do we do with this? Because sin is our issue, it's the issue, and Jesus is the answer. Again, we're not saved to be nice people, we're saved to be new people, to be a new creation. That just as Jesus brought elements of heaven down to earth, it was with the people, God with his people. This is just a, a microcosm, what we do every Sunday, that our fellowship and membership, the church all around the world, reflecting his kingdom of heaven here on earth. And one day we'll get to do what we do here. We're just, we're just in rehearsal for the great wedding banquet, for the great feast, the great celebration, the great reunification of God and his people. We'll get to worship him, celebrate him into eternity, sing his name in fullness of joy. But right now, what do we do with this? Well, for the unbeliever, for the person who has yet to give their life to Christ, you've heard it today, just believe. Just be born again. Call upon the name of Jesus who died for your sins, was raised to life and offers his perfect life and this forgiveness to you for all the sin that plagues us, for the things that we hate, the shame, the things that no one knows about, he knows about it. You don't have to put on a facade anymore. No one has it all together. Everyone is broken. And there are hundreds of people in this room who've called upon the name of Jesus and have found forgiveness. And if you don't know this Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if the Holy Spirit has not moved and come into your life, simply believe. That's all he's asking you to do. That's grace. There are no works. It's full forgiveness for all. And that's peace with God. That's peace into eternity. Grab your neighbor by the collar when we get out of here and say, help me. What do I do next? How do I make this decision? All you have to do is believe right now. But we're also going to be in the hallway after this. Come talk to me. Come talk to anyone. This is everything. And every single person in this room who's saved can tell you the exact same thing about what it means to be born again. Now to the believer, what do we do? Well, much like Nicodemus, I would argue, we need to put our inner Pharisee to death. We need to put our inner Pharisee to death. This growing bitterness, judgmentalness, trying to have it all together, the performance, the religion, religiosity, just put it to death. Be refreshed by the Holy Spirit today. Sit with Jesus, sit in his word, sit with his people, rest in him. You find full rest and assurance in Jesus Christ. And all that stuff that worries you, brings you anger in your life, he'll heal you of that. Because he's after your heart. He's not after your actions. He's not after the face you put out, the front. He's after your heart. He loves you so much. But in the end, it does not stop with us because this is a go love your neighbor series. 
And we want to go love our neighbor with the Holy Spirit of God. So much like Nicodemus approaches Jesus, what if we flip the script? Yes, be like Jesus, but what if you're just a little bit like Nicodemus and you ask your neighbor for help? You don't act like you have it all together. You drop the guard. Hey, if your front porch needs help, ask them for it. You want to talk about building a relationship, connecting with folks. If you can't connect with them, but it doesn't have to be physical and tangible. If they're younger than you, older than you, different culture than you, have them over for dinner and say, can you just help me understand? Help me understand your generation. Help me understand these questions that I have. If they're not a believer, if they're of a different religion, help me understand. Lower yourself, put yourself in a position underneath them. Nicodemus came to Christ seeking information, saying, help me understand. What if we just simply did that with our neighbors? They would see that, yeah, this guy doesn't have it all together. He's not putting on a front and he actually wants to know something about me. Imagine that. Because yes, we don't have it all together and we don't have to. The heart of the issue is the heart and Christ has come that we may, may be given a new one. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We praise you for dying for us on the cross, for being lifted up on a pole where we can find all healing, first for our hearts and our sin, and then yes, for the wounds we have encountered in a sinful world. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move today, that you would enter into the lives of the non-believers, that they would see you for who you truly are, Jesus. Repent of their sins and believe in you. Holy Spirit, would you comfort us? Would you smooth out our rough edges? For those who've been following you for years, God, and maybe have lost that first love, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move on them today. You remind them that yes, you live within them and you are a spirit of humility and gentleness and joy and peace. God, we love you for being that kind of God for being the God who wants to show us grace and mercy and call us home because there's nothing we can do for ourselves. Jesus, you are beautiful. God, you are beautiful and we praise you for calling us home to you. One day we will see you face to face and until then, may we continue to preach your glorious grace. May we continue to go love our neighbors with that same humility. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, First Family, you just heard Ryan Tu open God's Word and preach it over you. I get to share with you now some really exciting information. Y'all know we're walking through a season at First McKinney where we are talking a lot about God using us to multiply relationships, churches, and environments so that we can expand the kingdom for the glory of God. One of those big efforts multiplying churches you've heard a lot about if you've been part of our church over the last few years. You may know that we got to be part of planting in our community Cadence Church several years ago with Paul and Hannah Morrison. This summer we came alongside of three new national church plants and we have been working with a network in our community to plant more churches in our community. Why would we do that in our own neighborhood? 
Well, most churches like ours in the United States, our size and our history are not growing. The, those that are growing, only 6% of those that are similar to our church are growing through primarily conversion, new people coming to faith in Christ, growth. And so how do we reach new people that are outside of the church and not just have transfer members? Uh, well, one of the primary ways we can do that is through planting new churches. In the United States, a different stat here, those that are going to church plants in the United States, 42% were previously unchurched. So just per capita, church plants are reaching people who don't know Jesus on a higher level. And so one of the ways that we reach new people is starting new churches, and we want to reach new people in our community. So we've been praying over this for years, we've been part of this for years, and we are going to get to start a new church with Ryan and Sarah too in our community. You're going to hear a lot more about this in a few weeks as we walk through another season of celebrating what God is doing through Multiply. Ryan's going to get up front, share more about what God is laying on his heart. But I want you to know from me, Sam, as lead pastor here at First McKinney, I am so excited that we get to give to this and that we get to encourage you to consider being part of this individually or with your family, not just giving, but some of you going. And so this is going to be a super exciting season for us as a church. I've known Ryan and Sarah too for years. The previous church I was part of, I was a teaching pastor there. And when I got to that church, I came alongside our youth pastor and said, who are your strongest leaders in our youth ministry? And they pointed to two that were not on staff in the church, just helping lead in the church, Ryan and Sarah too. I got to walk alongside of them in a small group and see their passion for Jesus and the heart that he has to help others follow Jesus. And at one point encouraged him, hey, have you ever considered doing ministry? And then several years later, it was my joy to watch him step into the role that God has given him here. We cannot wait to see what God is going to do through Ryan and Sarah and in a new church in our community. And so get ready. You'll hear more about this soon. In a few weeks, you're going to know more. But right now, we get to pray over what God is going to do. It's happening. Very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, this is awesome. I, I'm so, so jazzed about this. Uh, I think this is exactly what our church is about. I think this is exactly what God wants all churches to be about. And so this is, this is awesome. Um, now, you may be saying to yourself, have some questions like, hey, where? He said it's in this community. Where? Uh, what, when are they starting? What's the name of this church? Uh, so there's a fancy little picture. And you can see there it's launching in February, so just four months from now. Uh, and it'll be up in Melissa. And uh, the name of the church is Highlands Baptist Church. Now, if you have more questions about where exactly in Melissa, why is it called Highlands? Who's this Ryan and Sarah that everyone's talking about? If you have interest, I want you to have interest in that. And so they're going to have a couple of meetings just to answer questions. And uh, so that's going to be in two Sundays from now. Uh, and then about 10 days later on a, on a Wednesday night. So if you're interested in that, would you just text Highlands, plural, Highlands, plural, to 96123? And then that way they'll know you're coming. Um, and, and again, they'd love to answer any questions you may have about this. Um, 
I just want you to hear on, the, on behalf of the heart of our pastor, you've already heard it. We are so excited about this. We want you to really consider if this is something that God wants you to be a part of. Um, there's a f- saying that you, you maybe you've heard Sam say that we really believe here on staff. We do not want to be known as a church based on our seating capacity. We want to be known as a church based on our sending capacity. Okay. We don't, we don't want to be like, Hey, we, we don't think God's really like, wow, good, cool. You got a bunch of people to come in that room. We think God's much more about how many people did you send out to expand the kingdom? This is what I've called you to. And so th- this is what we want to be known for. And so if you, honestly, if you live north of 380, I'm just calling you out right now. If you live north of 380, I really want you to at least consider going and hearing them. Maybe in your time with the Lord lately, maybe in the, over the last couple of months, you've been sensing this, God has something for me and I don't even know what it is. There's something coming, but I can't put my finger on it. God is stirring something in me, some adventure that he's calling me to. Maybe this is it. At least go hear him out. So again, text in Highlands, plural, to 96123. Super, super exciting. Again, we want to see the gospel spread. Uh, God gave this very instruction to the first church in Jerusalem to take this gospel to the other parts of the earth. They were very disobedient and stayed there. And so, <laughs> so he sent this persecution on them. And that's what's called the diaspora. It's the spreading. They, that's when they start going out and you see the kingdom expanded. And so, uh, man, we, we would love to see some of our folks go and be a part of what God is doing for the kingdom. So let me, uh, I'm going to pray for us. Hey, if, if what this gospel that, that Ryan talked about earlier, if, if you don't know that you know that you were born again, if you're thinking, well, I don't know if I've ever made that decision, we would love to talk to you. If you'll just head right out these doors, just down on, the, just kind of walk down that hallway. There's some folks we would love to talk to you. If you're in a hurry because you, you're meeting somebody for lunch, you got to go to work, but you're like, no, I really need to talk about that. I would say, yes, you really need to talk about it. It's the most important conversation you'll ever have. Uh, you can t- text TALK to 96123, and then we could maybe grab lunch or coffee or something this week. Would love to talk to you about this. If you're a first-time guest with us, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to be right out here also in our Welcome Center. If you want to swing by, we got a little gift for you we'll give you. So thanks for being here. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us. God, thank you that you are using our church to make a difference. God, continue to mold us and change us, uh, refine us as a church so that we are about what you said to be about. God, this planting of churches, that's just one of the ways that we're making disciples who live in love like Jesus. God, we're excited to hear testimonies and stories of how you're going to have many people that are going to be like Nicodemus that come to Ryan and Sarah's church and they're going to give their lives to you and then they're going to turn around and lead a friend. And so God, we are super excited about this. We know that you are all about this. And so God, we pray a blessing over them. God, thank you for our church. We say that in Jesus' name, amen. Go. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? 
Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.